What's up, Track Fam? Just enjoying life. When you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. Good vibes. The right. Sunday vibe today is on. Real. Like on. Real. Track Collective to bring more people together. We gotta go big. Just do it. Welcome to the tribe. Aloha and Hafa day, everyone. This is the Tribe Collective Podcast. I'm here with Chris Umanya. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I just uh, came from the sauna. It's like been my routine before podcast, so I can kind of think uh, about questions and kind of get my mind right before I talk to people. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, usually I would work out before, or do, you know, I'll sweat or something before I have to do something important, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that luxury luxury uh, today. So I just drove in my car and silenced. So that was my meditation <laughs> before I, before I came on here. You're one of those guys who, you know, I see your, you, when you weren't injured, your Instagram posts like every morning you're running 10 miles or you're you're really sharpening your mind and and it's been really cool to see that and I kind of want to go into your morning routine and why it's so important for you to prepare yourself for the day in that way yeah man um well I've been injured for the, the past like month and a half almost, <laughs> almost I actually just started running again um couple of days ago on Sunday, but we can get more into that later. But sure. my morning routine, um, I didn't really have a morning routine for a really long time. And I kind of was just, you know, just spare the moment. I just, um, I would just pretty much, you know, block and tackle everything, no plan whatsoever. Um, but I found that once I started getting into fitness or photography even, as long as I did something for myself before mm-hmm. before I had to do other things for other people, um, not necessarily a bad thing, but I felt like it was necessary for me to do something for myself first, um, so I can at least have that. So if I if I do a deed or or I have to do something for someone else, even if it goes wrong, um, at least I know that when I woke up, I did something right for myself. So I think that was, um, that's kind of where it started. I just, um, we just like to take pictures or um, sometimes I would go when I lived in Hawaii, I would go to to the beaches, like I wake up at 3 a.m., make sure I was there before, before sunrise. And that would, you know, I'll get that one sunrise picture. That was, that was my first one for the day right there. Nice. And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. I'm going to be tired for the rest of the day because I woke up at three, but it was worth it. At least if the rest of the day doesn't go as planned, this small portion of my day went as planned. So, yeah, I yeah. resonate with that. I'm the same way. <clears throat> um, so we're <coughs> ultra marathon runners and athletes. It's really cool because you're an ultra marathon runner, but you also, you know, work as um, work in the military and your photographer as well, and a writer, and you have all of these different components to who you are. But at the beginning of the day, you choose to take care of yourself before you go out into the world. And that's something that I realize a lot of successful people do. 
and I'm just trying for myself to emulate success or fake that, fake it to you and make it success. And just, okay, before I go to work, I need to do something for myself. I need to do something that sets my day up for the best day possible. And I found so much happiness and so much peace in that. Is that the same for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, like I said earlier, I was like injured the past month and I wasn't able to do none of those things at all. Um, not because I didn't want to, because I physically couldn't. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't get out of bed on my own for about two and a half weeks. I couldn't drive on my own. I had to get family to drive me around for two and a half weeks. I had no um, idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't put on my socks on my own for two weeks wow. or longer than that. Yeah. And um, it was just horrible. So I would wake up and not be able to do the things that I usually do. And that would kind of just drag on the rest of the day. Like I would just be in a really bad mood the rest of the day. Um, if even if something went right during the day, mm -hmm. it would still bother me that I couldn't get my personal things done, my personal wins done in the, in the beginning of the day. So it was, I think this injury that I just had, it was a really big eye opener that doing those, doing like taking care of myself in the morning was, is very pivotal to my success for the whole day. Um, so how, I think, did you, how did you be, how did you go from running ultra marathons and training every day, training, you know, 10, 10 plus miles a day to, to not running at all? What happened to you? It was, yeah, like I got depressed. It was, I was really like sad. Um, I had all my creativity just like went away for the past month. I just started getting back into it. Um, even seeing my friend right now, it was a big, really big relief because we went out, took photos, I got to write, right? And then, um, but the fact that I couldn't run, I couldn't, all of a sudden, you know, I'm so used to movement during the day. I'm so used to being really active. And all of a sudden I couldn't, it was driving me crazy. Like um, I, I didn't go to work for almost a week and a half. So I was just sitting here at home I would, and I would just walk around the house um, and I would just, yeah, I was just like, my body was a thick shock because it was just not doing anything. And then, you know, that kind of has a ripple effect on everything else. So knowing that I wasn't doing anything, it, you know, all those, all those doubts and all those insecurities when it comes to food, even were, were crippling back slowly. I'm like, oh. Did I, did I earn to eat today? Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, that's not really a healthy way of looking at it, but yeah, periodically, not. periodically <laughs> during the, periodically during the day, those thoughts that I worked so hard to get over, um, were slowly, uh, coming back and I would catch myself. I'm like, okay, um, I shouldn't be thinking like that. I have to eat because I'm a human being, not because I didn't work out today or not because I didn't earn it. Um, but yeah, it was just, those thoughts were slowly cre uh, creeping in and it was really upsetting because it takes a lot to get over those type of thoughts. So, awesome. 
Also, you need to realize that when you are injured, your body is recovering and it's burning calories in the recovery mode. So you need to eat to help yourself right. as well. That's yeah. something that I, I also just, I'm still getting over a back injury that I, it happened in September of last year and now it's April, mid-April and I'm still dealing with it. And, you know, I, I, I really understand what you mean when you're saying it changes your mood because I was, I went from super happy every day to waking up and remembering that, oh yeah, I'm in pain or I'm hurt because I, it, was, it was nerve damage to my, um, to my lumbar spine from wrestling. So, um, same thing. I got, really? the same, I got the same exact thing. The sciatica? Yeah. Same exact pinch nerve. That is, it was just, it's, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, same thing. You're like, you're saying sleeping was terrible. I couldn't brush my teeth because if I coughed too hard, it hurt my back. Couldn't put my socks on. Couldn't do anything. I couldn't laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You, and it really changes your entire personality. Your personality changes. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that you went through that. I wish, I wish I had known that because I would have called you and said, Hey, I've been actually dealing with this for over, over half a year now. And it's been, it's been really eye-opening for me. And, but I'm hoping that, that through this experience, it makes me a stronger runner. So for you, how did you, how did you go from running to injury? What was the, was there some freak accident or trauma that got you there? Um, no, it was just pushing my, my body, um, I think a little too hard. Um, I usually have a tendency of just signing up for things or just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this at this time at this day. Um, you know, not really. And I just plan as I go kind of, um, so after, like, I did the Houston Marathon, and then I was like, okay, um, I'm going to do this 100K, um, like, a month and a half later. So I didn't really get that much rest in between. Right. And then, like, I knew, like, I knew an injury was coming. I know my body enough to know that it's coming, but I was kind of hoping, I guess, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, like, hopefully my body just holds up after this. 100k and I'll just you know I'll just taper down I'll simmer down after that but my body didn't even make it to like peak week of that of um of that training it was like two weeks before that the race it was it just gave out and then that was it so what was your training like that led to your injury and even give people who are listening an idea of your background as an ultra marathon runner like when you started things like that so running for me uh, pretty much came kind of natural uh, it wasn't I wasn't really a fast I wasn't a fast runner by no means um, I still think I'm not a fast runner but I can run I've always known I can run for a really long time um, but I didn't really take running serious until I was in Afghanistan and I met this Italian uh, soldier there and he was training for a marathon 
and like as soon as he left Afghanistan, he had this brace coming up. So that was like his thing to pretty much keep himself staying in in this like little camp that we're in. So I kind of he you know I just started talking to him. He he would see me running. It was like a small camp, so he would see me running uh, every so often. So he kind of just told me to join, and that's kind of where um, I was introduced to all these um, to all these types of training like tempo runs or uh, like track workouts or like the long runs or just running based off your heart rate. Um, he kind of introduced me to that. And then I just stuck with him to pretty much train for about two months. And then I went on vacation to England and I did the London marathon there. That was my first ever marathon. That's cool. And it was pretty, it was pretty, um, it was pretty cool. They gave like military, um, like free entry. So I kind of just did that while I was there and I really enjoyed it. It was really difficult, but I enjoyed it. And then that's kind of where it started. And then um, after I got out the army, that's when I moved to Hawaii and I just started, this was 2019. Okay, so 2019, you start your first marathon. Yeah. Meet this Italian guy. What was his name? It oh my god, Mario. I don't. It was like <laughs> it was like half Italian and like half Russian. Like it was it was it was a crazy name. I don't remember. Okay, all. so you but, see this guy and and yeah. you uh, you get into ultra or you get into marathon running with him and you train together. You're on vacation. You go to London and and do this free marathon. And then you, then you moved to Hawaii in 2019. In 2020, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I moved, I moved there and then I just was like, just running for fun. Um, man, I was running just, you know, based off of feel. And then just like one day I just, uh, I was like, okay, let me see if I can just do another marathon. And I noticed that the Honolulu Marathon was coming up, but it was already sold out. So I just like, you know, I just went down the Google rabbit hole and I just came across the, like this 100 miler that was happening in Texas. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I'm like, okay, I was just sign up for that. So I didn't really think too much of it. I just signed up. I didn't, I didn't even understand the task that I was taking on when I signed up. Mm. Um, so I kind of signed up for that, like around September, the race was in February. So I had several months to train and I started really, I started uh, searching for other runners around the island. And I'm like, you know, nobody around me likes to run, like nobody. And then that's kind of how I came across you. I started just asking people I'm like, hey, is there anyone that you know that just runs out here? And they're like, yeah, I know this crazy guy uh, that he does, that he's training for this uh, 240 mile. I'm like, what? That's like the thing. And that's how kind of I met you. And you met those through Ali, right? Or or Sydney? It was it was through Sydney. Cool. First. Yeah, it was through Sydney first. That's awesome. And then, yeah, and then that's when we, you and I started talking on the phone. And, um, I don't know if you remember, but I would ask you very specific kind of questions about your food and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. I was 
at that point, I was overanalyzing this race, um, pretty much, you know, just kind of obsessed with it. I was like, okay, I need to get my nutrition down. And it was just something about like committing to something, committing to that race and just the, the task that I had signed up for, I didn't want to half-ass it. And I really wanted to complete it. So I was like, okay, I need to do everything possible to kind of get this done. So I was just using all resources to figure out the best way to finish this race without killing myself. That's awesome that you have that mentality about, I'm going to use everything that I know, every resource that I have to make this the best as possible. And this idea of not half-assing whatever you're doing, does that bleed into other parts of your life as well? Or is it just for, for running and ultra marathons? No, it's for everything. Um, that's the reason why I kind of got out the army. Um, um, because I realized and I noticed I was starting to half-ass that job. I didn't really care as much as I did when I was, you know, 18, 19. I wasn't putting in the effort that I once did. And I feel like that's kind of a waste of time for me. And I'm wasting other people's time just being there because, you know, they want to invest in me and everything. And I'm, you know, I'm halfway there, halfway not. So that's one of the reasons why I got out. And then that's um, also why I was so focused on photography when I was out there, because it's just like, I don't know how to do it any other way. Other people can kind of balance things, um, but I just can't do that. It's like, it's like, I'm going to do this one thing really well, or I'm not going to do it at all. And that's kind of, it is a good thing, but it is, it could be a bad thing. And as yeah, I reflect like on injury, right? Right. Yeah. And that's that, yeah. So that, that leads to the, this past race that I did, this, this marathon that I did, I was reflecting on this injury kind of slowed everything down and I was reflecting on um just how like why I got injured like how you know I, I tried really hard not to get injured I was the last time I was injured was um, almost two years ago and I'm like okay I've, I've been doing everything right why did I get injured and then and it was and I just had time to reflect and it was because I was really it wasn't um, because I was all in to this race, it was because I was all consumed in the race. And I, I heard that in a podcast the other day and it really resonated with me that there's a big difference between being all in and then being all consumed. And I noticed that I was all consumed in this, in this race that I kind of neglected everything else. Um, I was all consumed in just the training of of just emotional running and neglected everything else. Like if I, if I was running for two hours, I would still only stretch for 10 minutes. If I was, you know, if I was running, I would plan the rest of my day around my run, which, and it was, it was kind of, you know, everything else was kind of just there. Um, and like I started neglecting my my family here 
Um, I didn't put too much emphasis on them. Like I planned out my schedule, every single training, every single workout, I, I planned correctly. And then, but I had no, and then when I got injured, I, had, I looked at my calendar and I had no time for family, but I had all this time just so happened for this training. So I'm like, okay, my priorities were just completely messed up. That's interesting because for me, I have a list of priorities and the list is in this order. So my first priority is my health. My second priority are my goals. And my third priority is my family. And is there a way in which you can, you know, I don't know what your priorities are. So I guess that's the first place we you start is what are your priorities? And then we go from there. Yeah, I mean, very similar to yours, but I think at this moment, my priority number one is family. Um, my sisters, my mother, you know, the family that I'm around every day. Um, the family that I haven't been around for for years now, for a decade, and the re and like the sole reason, not the sole reason, but one of the main reasons why I moved back to the mainland here in Texas um, was to focus and spend time with my family. So I think that's priority number one. Um, and then my fitness is number two. And then kind of everything else is, is, can be, I don't think I even have a third. It's just family and then fitness. Everything else just kind of falls into place. So your, your priorities were out of line and then you find that yourself, that you hurt yourself, you hurt your back. There's a, I just took a core value workshop two weeks ago and the speaker was saying that lower back injury happens when your priorities and your values are not aligned. Yeah. And it was, it was like, I felt attacked. It, make, it <laughs> makes sense. I feel attacked you saying that. <laughs> but, um, but you're, you're better now. Yeah, I mean, that was a very humbling, like I've been injured before, but I haven't been as injured as I just was. That was very humbling. It just, it just reminded me that I'm just, you know, I'm just a human. Because um, I was like, okay, I can just push through this. I'll be fine. But, you know, your body gives you signals before, you know, it's about to break down. And I just kind of ignored it. Yeah, I I do believe that it's almost there's no medical way of saying that that your body will will make you stop if you don't stop. Yeah, that that's that happened to me after last year in 2022. I did a hundred mile. I had a 50 mile run, a hundred mile run. Like a month later, then I went to Everest and did an 80 mile trek up to, uh, you know, 18,000 feet. And then I try to um, run 200 miles in Lake Tahoe. And yeah. then I at mile 90, I was like, I was done. And then I, then I signed up for another 260 mile race, you know, five months later. And then I started having this back pain and I still have the same back pain. And I think it's my body's way of saying, bro, chill out, relax for a little bit. And if, if you don't relax on your own, your body will force itself to relax. 
Yeah, I think it's a very, it's a it's a very fine line between. I don't even know. I think obsessed would be the word, uh, the appropriate word, but there's a very fine line between like being really determined or obsessed with a goal and then overreaching. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we just convince ourselves that overreaching is not really a bad thing, but it can be. And it damages not only you, but like everything around you. Um, Because during this time that I didn't, you know, work out or didn't, um, or didn't just, you know, dedicate most of my time to fitness. I was see, I was noticing other things around me that were, um, that I just didn't notice, you know, about my family and you know, their own issues that I could have helped with long ago, but I just kind of pushed it to the side to just focus on this one thing. There was a really cool um, post that one of my physical therapy friends posted about. She said that when you're injured, it's a good time to take it, or not even injured, but when you're recovering or when you're on off season, it's a good time to take care of the things that you weren't able to take care of during your hard periods of training. Things like seeing your family, making time for your friends that you haven't seen, eating things that you necessarily wouldn't be eating during your training schedule. you know, like working on your relationship, things like that. And I found for myself that through my injury, I try to make it a positive thing. I created this really awesome habit of going to the sauna five times a week, which which has been super amazing during my, my injury. And I wanted to keep doing it when I keep training again. But also I used that time to write, to just to, to do more podcasts like this, to use my time effectively. And I think that younger Dylan wouldn't have had that foresight to know that even though you're injured doesn't mean you couldn't, you can't progress in life. Yeah. When I, when I hurt my, when I hurt myself in the past, I just thought that my life was on pause until, until I recovered from that. But now I'm seeing that injury is an opportunity to work on other things to make yourself better. And it could even be your physical body. If you if you hurt your leg, for example, you could still work your upper body. Maybe you need to work mm-hmm. on your upper body. Anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I think when I when a serious injury like that happens, especially uh, to athletes or you know artists, um, when they when they you know lose their voice for however long, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be, or they break a wrist if they're a painter. It's like they kind of it's it's kind of like a scary feeling where you're like okay, um, like who am I without this skill or without this hobby that I do? Yeah, um, you know, and it's kind of like okay, you gotta remind yourself that like what you do is just a part of you. Like it's not like that's not you, you know. Um, and it's pretty is it's pretty difficult to separate it too because that's that's like all you do uh, some people just you know some people just know you for 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 being an athlete but some other people know you for something else like you're like you work at that school some people that you that you talk to they know you as you know uh like a guidance counselor or, or whatever it might be so 
people know you in like different ways, but like, especially for an injury, back to an injury, um, it's like a scary feeling because you're like, okay, wow, like what, what, what am I without this? Like if tomorrow you become paralyzed or tomorrow you become, you know, you lose your legs, like what are you going to do? And then if someone asks you who you are, what are you going to say? Well, what would you do? That's what I've been working on. Uh, I definitely actually wrote a lot about that the past couple of days. And it's kind of, it's kind of difficult because you're like, okay, like you're just a human being, but you know, what type of human are you? And I purposely, like, that's like the question I ask you, like, what type of human are you? What type of person are you? And I purposely try to leave, like, I purposely try to leave the photography and all the hobbies that I have, I purposely left them out. And I just wrote how I am or how I am as a person. And that kind of spelled itself out, you know? Yeah, I know a lot of people in the running space, especially the running space where they use running as their form of therapy, as their form of subliminating their anxiety or depression. However, I've noticed that when they get injured, they downward spiral because they don't have anymore. And for me, if I don't have exercise as a way of relaxing or, or figuring my shit out, I know I have other ways to go about it. And, and as a 26 year old, I'm starting to think, what are other sustainable ways in which I can deal with my like negative energy that I have? From yeah. Myself? Yeah. Been, that was, it's been really, yeah, hard. that's, yeah, no, it is extremely difficult. Um, that's why I got into writing. That's why I got, I got into, um, lifting at the gym or that's why I got into like photography too, just to lean on other things other than, um, working out, you know, just having more, more abilities or more skills in my toolbox, you know? Um, and it's, it's definitely, as I get older, I'm like, okay, if my body's not going to be able to perform at, or recover as fast, you know, right. 20, 30 years from now. So what am I going to do to, you know, you know, mitigate when I feel upset? Like, you know, God forbid you, you know, just just an example, um, God forbid someone, you know, you're an athlete and you, you lose someone close to your family, but at the same time, you're injured. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, now what? like you're injured so you can't work you can't work out you can't exercise during this crisis so what do you do what are you going to do now and it's important to have i'll answer that question for you because that's something that that happens that happened to me you know i i um i was living in nepal and i um the girl that i love broke up with me i couldn't do the things that I wouldn't normally do. Like I couldn't go to the gym. Um, I could run and I did run a little bit, but what I learned was breath work and really diving deep into journaling and diving Mm -hmm. deep into learning and reading and learning new languages because I knew that if I just, if I just 
ran, you know, I run for maybe an hour and you still have 20, you know, 23 hours left of the day to be with yourself. And this just becomes substance at some point. Running becomes a substance that keeps you away from your self thoughts. So what I instead did was learn how to meditate, learn how to take deep breaths, learn how to write my thoughts out so that if a crisis does occur again, I'll have those procedures in place so that I know how to deal with myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, that's like another reason why I even, I even started, um, you know, running or writing and stuff. I always, I think I actually started writing before I even started running. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just that over time I've, you know, kind of honed into those, into, into those, uh, those skills more as I got older and you just experience more. And those two things definitely have helped me during uh, very, very dark times when I was younger. Because mm -hmm. um, I did, for a long time, I was uh, very depressed for a very long time. And you don't really notice it because you just, you're in it. You're, you're in the, you're in the moment. But like years later, you kind of reflect and they're like, yeah, I, I was pretty down for, for years. Um, and, and it was like clear as day. Like, like I, I see it now from that, from like looking back, but I'm sure people around me noticed, you know? Yeah, you're right. Um, with, especially with depression and anxiety, you don't notice it when you're in it, but once you get out of it, I remember I, I was depressed for like, like two years. Um, this is like during a time when um, I was going through like post-traumatic stress disorder. I was going to therapy and everything and just felt all the time every day I needed to take a nap. That was like something I always did every day because I needed like more energy. So I'd take a nap every day. Then I realized that when I finally kind of recovered from the PTSD, I was able to just go all day. I had so much more energy. I wasn't stressed out all the time. I was more relaxed. Then I realized in retrospect, like, whoa, I, there was something like chemically going on with me. No, yeah, um, I definitely can relate to that. And, um, but yeah, no, that's, it's very important to be self-aware so it doesn't happen again. Um, or even if it does happen again, you're able to kind of notice it. Um, at least like now, when I do tend to get those feelings, um, I do notice it and I'm able to handle it better. Um, I've gotten, you know, just like you were saying uh, about like breathing exercises. Um, when I get, cause everyone gets anxious, you know, everybody, everybody, there's no way you just had anxiety once and then that's it. Um, like I, I'm pretty sure I get anxious maybe twice a week even, um, but how I handle it is so differently that it's almost non-existent. You know, it's like just a feeling that just kind of goes, it comes and goes at this point. It doesn't take over my my whole day or it doesn't take over what I'm doing. How do you deal um, with your anxiety? I do a lot of breathing and I do a lot of self-talk, 
a lot of positive self-talk. Is this like um, verbal or are you just saying it in your head? No, in my head. Um, in my head, I could be going about my day and something somewhere kind of triggered, you know, an anxiety attack. Or, what do you, I don't even have anxiety attacks anymore. They're, I just get anxious. And I kind of just do a lot of self-talk, um, like positive self-talk to okay, you know, just breathe and I change, I change my, uh, my breathing pattern. And I even just to make sure, because I do sometimes tend to focus on, I'm a really data driven person. So I do, I sometimes just to make sure I'm actually breathing, breathing how I want to, I even check my heart rate on my watch or something. And I'm like, okay, it's going down. Um, so even now I kind of know when even like data even on like a data basis i kind of just know when i'm about to get anxious so it's really being self-aware what what do you do to breathe how has your breathing changed so i breathe i don't know if this works for everyone but it does for me um so i breathe in twice and then i breathe out yeah so i breathe in twice and I breathe out and I just do that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Even, even when like maybe I'm about to cry or maybe even during my like long runs, cause I don't know about you, but I do get, I do get emotional on my long run sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I start, yeah, I cry. Yeah. Yeah. I cry too all the time. And then, you know, just so I can finish the run uh, or I don't get exhausted from in being emotional, I tend to just breathe that way. And that's kind of just a pattern that um that has helped me. I don't know if the, I don't know if you have any certain breathing patterns. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um I think Andrew Huberman did the talked about the double inhale, right? The yeah. All that um the psychological sigh. You kind of do the I listened to his um, podcast on breathing and he talks about that, but something that I've done um, maybe in conjunction with starting ultra marathon running was Wim Huff's breathing method, which is basically like you take a deep inhale and shallow exhale, deep inhale, shallow exhale, and you basically make yourself hyperventilate and you do that for 15 to, to 30 uh, oh, wow. breathing cycles. And then you hold your breath for as long as you can. And then once you can't hold your breath as long as you can, you exhale and you inhale again. And then you hold your breath for 15 seconds. And you do that, you do that as much as many times as you want. And it feels really good. It is and it's actual work to do it. But it kind of wow. it kind of um my friend Maggie. Oh, you met Maggie. Maggie turned me on to that. And and it was cool because this breathing method kind of stimulates your body and gives you adrenaline because it kind of freaks you out a little bit and it, and it um, makes you panic. It's a it's self-induced panic mechanism that I felt anyways. And it made me feel so good to like really harness that feeling and accept that feeling. And now when I feel it, I, I know what it is. It's not, not a stranger to me. It's very familiar. And I, and I use it to energize me. It makes you feel warm because you know when you're when you're in fight or flight, your body kind of like gets mm -hmm. gets all warm and um, 
feels like you're blushing. And, and that's one that I'll use if I'm really, really freaking out. I don't do it as much anymore, thankfully, but it's because it, I, took, I took a lot of time in learning how to handle myself that I was able to do that. Yeah, and it's kind of very similar to like an ice bath too. Yeah. Um, do you it's do very ice similar. Yeah, I do. Um, not not too often, maybe. Honestly, I do it maybe once a month. Okay. Um, it's not, it's, I do the sauna at least four times a week for sure. Like like after we get off this podcast, I'm going to work out and I'm going to use the sauna. Nice. But ice bath maybe once a week, maybe once a month. But that one time is very humbling and I'm you know, it's like your body just wants to get out of there, right. but it's like a shock to your body. And they, like, yeah, you, I blush while I'm in, like, I feel like I'm blushing while I'm in the toe mm -hmm. and I feel immediately better after I get out. Like, oh, I just feel so like, I just like conquered something. Yeah. You're conquering yourself and that's the biggest mountain you can climb. Right. Damn. Cool. I didn't realize we were going to take the mental health route, but I love it. I know that you're a huge advocate for mental health. You, One of the pictures that you posted on your Instagram was of you with like three different faces. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I, I do. Um, I should that was like that. last year. You should send that to me so I can um, put that in the show. Um, it's a really cool picture and it like says so many different things. Yeah, no, I purposely, it's it's crazy because I did it with a friend. It was his concept, but, you know, it was very humbling for him, for me that he asked, that he asked me to to be a part of that. And I'm like, okay, he, he kind of asked you for a reason. And, you know, I don't take that lightly when people ask me to, you know, get on podcasts or do photos or whatever. But, like, the whole way, you know, the whole way to to do that photo shoot, I purposely thought about, you know, all the hard times that I've had to kind of, to kind of reflect that in, in the pictures. Like, like, I think there's a picture in there where, I'm, where it looks like I'm like crying or like, I'm like frustrated, right? And those are like real emotions. Um, and, but yeah, I'm a huge advocate for mental health. Um, and it's because uh, it's just been a big part of me personally. Right. So what is what does your mental health journey look like for you in terms of, you know, um, I guess we've we've spoken privately about this, and if you don't want to speak about it, it's, it's totally fine. But do you have anything that, you know, kind of got you on that train to um, to mental health? Um. It did. Um, there's there's a few things for sure. Um, a lot of it has to do with you know my time in the military. A lot of it has to do with kind of on my own, but um, but yeah, a big part of that definitely has to do with you know having suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, I've had those before. Um, I've you know purposely have starved myself um and i know what that feels like and i think now like for a long time i 
would come off like like I was a victim for a very long time. Right. And and I think now it's kind of different because I um I'm still an advocate for mental health and everything, but it kind of it's it's like there's ways out of it. Um and sometimes I think people um I'm trying to phrase this very nicely. <laughs> but I think people just don't give themselves a chance, you know, and or they don't they're too afraid maybe to to lean on others that want to help. And I think that's very scary too. Uh, it was I know I have I've had a lot of trust issues, you know, leaning on friends to help me. And that's okay sometimes. Yeah, you're you're right in that regard because and you said that very eloquently because I, I was on a podcast and I said um sometimes people are just being little bitches about about their um about their suffering and and that was very crass of me and I apologize now for saying that but what the essence of that is is that you know you could you can have been dealt really tough cards but people really identify with their suffering they they play the yeah. victim they don't want to emancipate themselves from their victimhood they want to stay in it but you're saying there are ways out of that and not everyone wants to because if they have a reason for being a victim they have a reason for not achieving what they want like for example i didn't get the ferrari that i wanted because i was bullied in high school i never got the the job that i wanted because because i was you know i i was anxious or depressed or I'm suicidal and and it's an easy way out for a lot of people to not own up to the things that had happened to them and i see that from you and I, and for myself as well and i think this is why we we get along is because we've been dealt shitty cards but we said fuck that that was the past that's not who i am now and i'm going to work toward being a better person yeah that's um that's an everyday thing working towards being a better person and i was talking to my friend just yesterday about it about mental health and like you know like like let's be honest nobody wants like even if even your closest friend he's like they're still a human you know they want positive people around them like yes they want to help you but for you know for how long are they going to stick around nobody wants to be around someone negative all the time um you know and it's like you got to help like you got to help yourself as well um and unfortunately some people don't don't get to that point but there's so many people that can and for some reason they just don't want to sorry about that there's um professor was came in um yeah you're right people don't want to um just really take responsibility that's a big part of what jordan peterson says is um have you heard of jordan peterson have you listened to any of his podcast yeah. yeah he makes me feel dumb but makes you feel dumb. but well that's you know he's he's really 
eloquent in the way he says he says things. Um, but mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I do I do listen to him. I do listen to a lot of his uh, his podcasts, and yeah, I resonate with a lot of what he says a lot. Yeah, he um he always talks about this book. I really want to read it. It's called the Gulag Archipelago, but it's basically about um Holocaust survivors and people who are in the Holocaust. Uh, the survivors of the Holocaust um, who took responsibility for for getting themselves there. And it's a very intense idea that I am in this internment camp because I, I put myself here and this is my fault. But the people who were able to take responsibility for that were able to, to become successful people after these atrocities that had happened during World War II. Yeah, no, it's uh, damn. That's a, that's actually a book that I want to read now. That's that's a uh, that's very interesting. Um, definitely send me the title again. Yeah, I want to read it. Um, but no, yeah, no, I completely, I completely get it. And then sometimes it's unfortunate, but like sometimes you have to be the bigger person and just take responsibility for both yourself mm-hmm. and the person or whatever or the situation that caused you trauma um because maybe they can't do it themselves you know it's like you just you just take that you take the responsibility for both of you and sometimes I, that's just what you have to do to make to make amends with that because you can't get it from that person or whatever happened so you so you it's best for you sometimes to just take responsibility for both your trauma or or the other person and then yours i've never thought about that you take responsibility for the trauma of another person in in the sense of if they hurt you you take their you take responsibility for them hurting you yeah um it's just you know, like like sometimes people are waiting for an apology, or people are waiting for, uh, for that person or that situation to come back to them and, you know, beg for forgiveness so they can heal. And there are times that that just doesn't happen. So you just, it's best sometimes to just make amends for the both of you, you know, for the for your trauma and for yourself. Um, so that's what I mean by just taking responsibility, even if the other person never does. Just so in other words, forgive them, even if they never ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that is one of the hardest things a human being can do. Yeah, definitely. Give someone on your own terms. Yeah. Um, Cause your ego just wants to resent, you know, your, your ego just wants to have that resentment or just feel uh, just feel anger or hatred towards that situation. And that's never going to fully let you overcome that. It's crazy because two hours ago, I was texting my friend about the idea of resentment. And I said, resentment is a poison that you try to give someone, but you can only drink and when you do it hurts only you it doesn't hurt the other person ever no because they they don't know 
mm. or they they don't know or they just don't care. They're not around for it. Right. Uh, nine times out of 10, when you have resentment towards something, it's gone. Uh, mm. It's not in your life anymore. So you're really just hurting yourself. You know, it's not affecting the other person. Who knows what the other person thinks, but, you know, it's not affecting them. Like, they don't know that you have all this resentment towards them unless you tell them, you know. Right. So let's shift gears a little bit. How how do you use your writing? How do you use your photography? And how do you use your running to make yourself a better person? I think, well, first, I think I have, like, at first, I never knew... Um, I never knew how to figure out like some type of structure for those hobbies. I, over time, I've been wanting to put them all together and definitely the writing always comes first. It's like the foundation for everything. And the running sometimes adds to the writing. And I just use that kind of as self-talk. Um, I feel like when I, when I take photos, um, I even when I when I first started until now, um, mm -hmm. I tried to, I tried to replicate how I feel at that time, um, based off you know the colors that the color um, the colors that I use for that or the type of tones or the the textures of the photo. Um, if I'm feeling upset that week or something is bothering me you can bet that my photos are going to be very gr very grungy very grainy um so i just use that to kind of express my emotions and so is the writing the writing is kind of like self-talk um uh, i talk to myself that's a conversation with myself um if people ever like noticed my writing I, it's kind of like a back and forth thing um it's kind of like two people are talking to each other, but it's really just me talking to myself, you know, mm -hmm. as a reflection and, you know, hoping, hoping other people can somehow relate to it. But, um, but yeah, it's just really a way of, you know, just letting out my emotions. And I think that's a healthy way of doing it. And then even my running, my running is just um, another way of expressing myself. Um, I structure, I try to structure my running based off how I feel too. Um, sometimes, you know, it's very specific workouts. It, it you know, just, it just comes with the territory, but, um, I try to make, I try to make room in my mind for those runs. So if it's, if it's like a slow, easy run, I kind of try to structure what I want to feel, what I want to think about and just give myself that allotted time to feel that way. Um, if I wanna feel, I'm like, okay, you're upset or okay, you're, you're anxious. I'm giving you this, like, I'm, like you as in myself, I'm giving myself this allotted amount of time to feel sorry for yourself or you know, to feel whatever it is you need to feel. And then after this is over, just move on from it. Right. That's a very mature way of dealing with yourself. And for, for anyone who hasn't been through 
something as grueling as an ultra marathon, they don't really understand that you have to hold space for yourself. Say you're at mile 70 of a hundred mile run. If you don't allow yourself to feel the pain, the dread of still having to run another 30 miles after doing 70 of it, you won't understand that the feelings that you have are all transient and that they, they come and go. Yeah, man. Um, that that first ultra that I did, it was like I lived a whole life in those in in those thirty hours. What was that? What's the name of the ultra marathon? Um, it was the Rocky Raccoon hundred miler in Huntsville. Well, let's and, go. Um, let's let's. I want to hear about the life that you lived in those thirty hours. That was that was like a whole life in itself, and it was something that. I'll be honest, I was not prepared for. Um, I I remember standing there at like the starting line and I'm looking at all these elite people, dude. People running barefoot, you know, like running a hundred mile trail race barefoot. And how I'm could, like, okay. How could you call yourself unprepared if you finished it? Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's kind of where like I'm, like I'm getting at how my mind just completely switched throughout that whole race. Mm-hmm. Um, I can easily, even till even though it happened to like two years ago, I can easily break down every every loop that I did, which was like a twenty mile loop. I can easily break down every twenty miles and tell you how I felt for every every single one. And from beginning to end, it was just a roller coaster of doubting myself i'm like what am i doing here do i belong here you know do i belong in this type of grueling event that all these badass people are doing you know do i like did i do enough training for this and this is like you know 10 miles in 15 miles in um to make things worse you know i I was like anxious at the time too. So I, I didn't have my like tracker on me. Um, I forgot it completely. And I, I did, I did a whole, a whole 20 miles without knowing if the staff was going to allow me to continue the race as if I just completed that 20 or I'm starting it again. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm like, you know, just kind of feeding into the negativity, like, Hey, um, maybe this is a sign that I don't belong here. You know, maybe this is, a, I for, maybe I forgot that tracker for a reason so they can disqualify me so I don't, because I don't belong here. Mm. And then just over the race, it just got, it just got to the point where I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm here now, you know, I did 50 miles. Why can't I just do the other 50? And it's, and it's, and it's a, it's crazy what the mind can do because I had runners knee at that time. Um, so it's like for people that maybe don't know, but like runners knee is kind of just a, like a like a knee injury on the outside of your knee. Um, usually, that's that's due to poor glutes or instability of the hips. Um, usually, you know, leads to it it band syndrome, but I had runner's knee and I had runner's knee for maybe the last two weeks of that training before that race. And 
like when I started running, it just it went away. It just my mind said, nope, it's not it's not injured today, and it just went away. Um, and I remember talking to this guy during the race. It was like it was really early in the race. It was like like thirty like thirty miles, and I was like walking and running at the same time because it was starting to hurt um, my knee, and. Like I hope he never listens to this, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna notice who who he is. But I remember him because he was talking to me like he was talking down on me during the race because um, he saw me kind of struggling, and he was just you know telling me how he's done so many ultras. This was his this was like his 12th ultra or something. And he, and he looked like he was running effortlessly. Um, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, good for you. Um, you know, we were just talking and he was like showing off basically. And then I saw him again. I didn't see him again until 95, until, my, until mile 95. And when I saw him, and I saw like across from him, people were yelling at him and it was his mom telling him to hurry up and to stop crying, to just finish the race. And this man was crying, uh, basically almost on his knees, um, crawling this last, you know, walking these last five miles. And, and I just remembered like, hey, like I thought you were, you know, I thought you were this big ultra guy. And it's like, but at that time, it's funny because I was at my I was at my weak point around mile like 30, 35. But for some reason, when I got to 95 or 90 even, I was like sprinting. Um I was I remember looking at my watch and I was running like seven minute paces at the last like 10 miles of that race and i don't know what it was i think it was just it was just frustrating to me to know that there was a chance that i would have made it this far and not finish it you know and like them telling me oh no you're you're disqualified you didn't meet the cutoff time and during the last like eight station before i before you ran those last 10 miles or so this guy told me like, hey man, you got like an hour, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes or so to run these last 10 miles before wow. you uh, before you DNF. And I immediately looked at my friend who was the friend I saw today actually, because he was filming the whole thing. I immediately looked at my friend and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm gone. Like I took off my, I took off my um, little back hydration bag that I had and I just booked it. Like I skipped an eighth station, I think. And I just like, at one point again, like, yeah, at one point I was running like seven minute miles, those last, those last 10 miles. I was like, there's no way. And, but yeah, ironically, so my weakest points were not at the end of that race. They're actually in the beginning. So it's all mental at that point then. It's a very mental. Yeah those mental hurdles that you face. Your, your story is very, 
think a lot of people can relate to that idea of self-doubt creeping in and creeping out and creeping in, creeping out. You're just constantly fighting yourself the entire time you're running. And I wonder if that is what professional runners feel as well, or they just have this undying confidence in themselves. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a little bit of doubt, but for the most part, you know, they know, they know they can do what they're, what they're out, mm -hmm. what they're out to get done. And that's not, you know, that's not by accident. You know, that's, that's, they, that's like, like going back to data, that's like, they look at their, at their records. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I have this, I have this, I did this. It's like a list of accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And, and like you, those are tangible, those are tangible accomplishments that you've done. And that just builds confidence, you know, for every, every time that you get something done that builds confidence. So it's like, yeah, they probably do, they probably do have a little bit of doubt. Um, but I, you know, they don't sign up for those, for those races for no reason, or they don't, they don't, you know, they know what they're doing, I think. So do you identify as an ultra marathon runner? No, no, actually, no. Um, I think it's just, I like running. I like running a lot. And I think that's, this goes back to, uh, we kind of started the conversation uh, over the past two months or so. My outlook uh, on how I identify who I am is kind of different. Um, like for, you know, it's just, I think ultra, ultra running or endurance sports is just something that I do. Um, and usually you know with everything that i do i do it very intensely so you know it's just it's just another part of me um the photography stuff is, is a part of me too and so is the writing and but you know i want to identify as a family man like i want to identify as like a good brother a good son um a good employee like you know, that's how I want to identify. I don't want to, I don't want someone to be like, okay, he's, you know, he's a good runner, but he sucks as a brother. You know, he's a good runner. He's a good photographer, but he sucks at communication as a boyfriend. You know, it's like, like, I want to be, I want to identify with the things that matter the most. So long, so that's a long answer to your question. Like, um no i don't i don't i don't want to identify as that as an ultra runner no that's that you just changed my entire perspective for sure and it kind of calls into question my own priorities which are you know my health my goals and my family and i wonder if if i didn't have my health would i still be a good man would i still be a good yeah. boyfriend would i still be yeah you know, good, good son, a good brother, if I didn't have that health. Yeah. And, you know, some people kind of, they use the word, I identify as a runner, or I'm a runner, or I identify as whatever it is that you do. I think they use it kind of lightly, um, which is fine. It's not a bad thing. Um, but 
like I take things very, very serious. So I take things very extreme. So like, why if do I say, it's just my personality. Um, I'm a very, I feel like I'm a very obsessive and extreme person. Um, and that's why I just, you know, like when I, when I say I want to identify as like a, as something, it, it means a lot, I, I think, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, like I'm in, if someone says I'm an artist or, you know, like, or something like that, I think that's very loosely termed. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, that's just my personality. That's just how, that's just how I've always been. And sometimes it could be, it could be a bad thing. But over time, I've learned to kind of control that, um, control, mm-hmm. control those, uh, just how I am. Um, and you just use that in a positive way. I think there's a lot of power in when you choose to do something, you do it to the best of your ability. And that's how I was raised. I was raised to, to do things well, to do it right, and to put your 100% effort into it, not to half-ass it. Because if you half-ass one thing, you can do that with everything else. So when you, yeah, decide, sure. when you decide to do things the right way, and say, for example, something that I, you know, I do every day is I make my bed. If I don't do that well, how can I guarantee you that I'm going to do other things well? And my dad used to, like, <laughs> so funny. My dad would have me wash his car. And if I didn't clean the rims well, he would look at it and says, do you wipe your ass like this? I'd say, no. I'd say, why? So why are you doing the rims like this? And so it's this idea of, Whatever you do, do it well, because that is how, if you do one thing wrong, you're going to do everything wrong. And so I'm very big, I'm a very big proponent and do, if you do one thing right, you're going to do everything right. And that's actually gotten, gotten me into trouble with, with like, with my girlfriend, for example. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's, it's a, it's like a double-edged sword. Um, It's very it's very tricky. It's a very fine line to balance. Um, and balance is very, balance is a word I don't like. Um, because I'm very, I have a very hard time doing that with everything. It's, it's very hard for me to balance, um, everything equally. Um, but I think that has, that has worked out in my favor, but also has hurt me too. Like you said. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy because you're just at this point, we're just speaking about philosophies and what philosophy do you prescribe to? Do you, do you prescribe to the philosophy of do, do one thing really, really, really well and let everything else fall away and, you know, lose, lose time with friends, lose time with family members, miss birthday parties, miss funerals, miss weddings, or do you, do you play the balance game of yin and yang and, have everything balanced but you're not good at it you're just mediocre at everything yeah i mean that i think that's just something that um even right now uh i have a hard time with i think it's better i used to think that you should be really really good really great and 
remarkable in one thing. Um, but I, I think it's actually better to be really, uh, to be just really good at several things, you know, maybe not an expert or, but just really good at several things. Um, I think that's just a better way of, of handling life. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that the way in which you can become good at many different things is learning some form of some form of mastery at, at the thing and then let that mastery um, translate into something else yeah it's, it's kind of like for me I'm really passionate about languages I started lear learning Japanese and then I started learning um, Thai and then Nepali and for me it's not learning different languages it's the same mental process and you become good at Japanese and then you become good at Thai and then you become good at sign language or good at um, Nepali. And this is because although they're different things, it's the same mental process. No, yeah, you could definitely apply what you learn in one, in one skill to another. Mm -hmm. You um, just by your, your work ethic and the way you handle that one skill. Right. And it kind of just because it changes you, it kind of just forces you to be the same same way with the rest with the rest of your life um like the way i you know like i structure my writing or you know the way i structure my day-to-day -day is kind of steeps into the way i structure my meals or mm -hmm. the way i structure you know my training or my calendar for the month um because if I was to just um, eat whatever I wanted, um, which you can, but if you know, if I was to just eat or pig out whenever I wanted, then the you can best believe the rest of my life is exactly that way. Um, you can best believe the rest of my life is is easy, is fast, you know, just like fast, like just grabbing fast food or something. It kind of trickles into the rest of your life. I, you know, when I'm like on the street, I like to see, I like to look at people and then imagine what their lives are, kind of like create their stories for them. And when you create their stories, you can kind of see, you can kind of already see what their life would be like based on how they present themselves, what how they're dressing, how, how well they're dressing themselves. And when you again, going back to that point of everything you do will bleed into each other and how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, that's, um, it's, uh, I remember you used to post, or I don't know if you still do, but you still you used to say, uh, set up straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, and I remember seeing that and, and I, you know, of course, how you, how we were talking about earlier, like I take, things very extreme so I'm like okay I'm like so sit up straight and then if I can just you know if you can sit up straight and fix your posture then you can you know if you can just do that little small thing right it can trickle into everything else so like that's how I took it when when I saw that from you like sit up straight it wasn't just you know like literally sitting up straight but it was like like just by doing that, maybe you can 
printing out everything else. Yeah, I when I well when I posted that, I kind of made it for the literal sense of sitting up straight because in my life, you know, I grew up like under the shadow of my twin brother, and he was just a successful guy. And it made me really depressed, very, very depressed. And so I would always just like kind of slouch. I slouched everywhere mm. I went, like my head down, never looked anyone in the eye, didn't speak well. I spoke very softly and I mumbled a lot. So what I've been doing now is I want to be able to present myself well. And I want to be able to present myself in the light that people will respect me and accept me. And that started first with being able to, you know, it's like roll your shoulders back and then, and then sitting up straight and like, kind of like engaging your core when you're, when you're walking and speaking and people, people see that and people see that you're a fit person and you're able to um, hold yourself and carry yourself and more confident and confidence is a very attractive, not just like emotionally attractive, but just people are attracted to confident people. And yeah. And they, they feel safe around them. You yes. know, um, yeah. they, if you see a confident, healthy individual, if you see a confident, healthy 60 year old that's in shape, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, like if the world ended right now, he would know what to do. Right. You know, it's like, like he knows, like he has that discipline and you just feel safe as well. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a cheat code to just, stand up straight, speak well, speak clearly. And that yeah. takes a lot of effort and time. And it took me a long time to do that. Now I still try to, I still try to, it's like, I'm again, faking it till I make it with faking this idea of being confident because I wasn't confident when I was doing it, but now, now it's just, you just embody that. And I was yeah. listening to this podcast about these, um, there were they were interviewing a bunch of like rapists and and people who were like stealing and and things like that and showing them videos of different women and they're saying which videos they would um which women they would assault based on the video and they're like oh i would, I would assault this one i assault that one i wouldn't assault this woman and it was just based on the way they carried themselves people who People who were confident were less likely to be assaulted because they would be the ones who would fight back. They want people yeah. who people who don't have the voice or, or the actions to to defend themselves. No, yeah, wow, that's yeah, no, it, yeah, you definitely can tell a lot about how before you speak to a person mm -hmm. just by looking at them, just by the way they come up to you. Um, right whether they, you know, they shun away when you look at them in the eye. Um, and I purposely sometimes like try to keep, like even right now, um, sometimes I have a hard time just, you know, talking to someone and look them right in the eye. And so I purposely sometimes have to correct that because I know that matters. Um, yeah, no, but that does go a long way for sure. Yeah. Um... And even even your body posture, right? You don't want to be like, you know, yeah. right. Yeah. when you're speaking to someone, you want to be open when you're open. And, you know, even it goes into like, are you able to laugh around this person? Because laughter is another form of 
of being strong. If you can like really let your guard down and laugh in front of someone, that shows that they're confident, they have strength, and that helps helps you in your social situations. Yeah. No, I used to people tell me all the time, even now, that I smile a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um I don't think that's a bad thing. It's definitely struck up conversation. It's definitely, you know, gotten me to certain rooms that I wouldn't be in if I wasn't this way. And and I noticed it right away. Um, I noticed as soon as you have a little bit of confidence and in what you do or you say, people people kind of listen, people kind of gravitate towards it. Um, and it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty amazing thing. It's pretty shocking, especially especially if you come from a place where you're kind of been you've been down or you've been small, right? You've been small kind of your your whole life, and then all of a sudden you change your way of thinking or doing things, and you're a little bit confident. Even that little bit of confidence, you'll be surprised how many how many people uh, or how many connections you make just based off like you know a little bit of confidence. Yeah, my girlfriend, um, Cass, she's, when she first met you, she said, Chris smiles a lot. I'm like, huh, yeah, kind of noticed that too. But that's a good thing, I think. I think so. I I personally don't, I'm a, I'm a big frowner. I kind of have a retching bitch face, and I'm trying to correct that with smiling a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's a, maybe that's a couple of mechanisms for me being like uh, nervous, mm -hmm. maybe but it's worked out um yeah, it's not yeah. i don't i don't see it as a bad thing at all um when someone tells me that i smile a lot i'm like okay I'm like thanks and that's like a, and that's another thing too i've learned to say thank you uh, that's a big one um i think I, I think saying thank you is very important um when someone compliments you to take compliments um i think that's very important too because for a long time i was convinced otherwise um that taking compliments i would get kind of nervous and i would you know just kind of stray away from that conversation or that compliment i'd be like anyway or whatever it might be and i think it's very important to say thank you when you're giving a compliment uh, i think you should take those compliments because that also builds your confidence but you know people don't say that for no reason you know mm -hmm. um, so i think it's very important what what are ways in which you build your confidence daily and other ways that what are ways in which people who are listening who don't feel very confident how can they build their confidence um i think it's really important to understand who you are first um mm -hmm. i think it's very important um to surround yourself first with people that help build you up um and, and that's also that also comes with you know maybe getting out of certain relationships or um ending certain friendships um you know some people are not your friends even if you think they are and i think it's very important because confidence comes from comes from your environment too and I think it's very important to surround yourself with people that that help build your confidence um, that 
that give you people that give you those compliments um and but also you know people that can be that can be harsh with you too if you if they need to be so i think surrounding yourself with people to help build your confidence is very important um also just doing things that that you know you can do even if even if they're very small um <clears throat> like if, if there's any way you can help like if you like if you're someone that lives with your with your family <clears throat> i think even the smallest thing like okay the trash needs to be taken out every tuesday and every thursday night so just do that you know it's like it's like it sounds so dumb but it's like okay just do that you know just do that and then you're like okay i helped my i helped my family or i, I helped the house that I, the home that i live in become better just by doing that mm -hmm. and and i bet you if you do that one of those days someone in that household is going to say thank you because you you threw out that trash it sounds so dumb but it's like just like these little things that that mean a lot and over just over time repeatedly help your confidence. I love that. I think I think what that gets at is the is consistency. And when you're consistent in what you're doing, you'll you'll reap those rewards. And I think you also will gain more confidence in doing harder tasks. You do, yeah. you do a lot of small tasks over and over and over again. And eventually that'll build up for you to have um have more, more confidence to do bigger tasks. Say, for example, you're, you're taking the trash out two times a week, but now you're gonna, you know, now you're gonna mow the lawn. And after you start mowing the lawn, now you're gonna, I don't know, plant a garden. And after you plant a garden, yeah. you know, you're it's gonna- a, It's just- Yeah, man. It's yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing what happens when you uh, have a little bit of confidence. Um, mm -hmm. like, like now, I'll say yes to, to do things that I don't even know how to do yet. You know, <laughs> it's like, like, like someone asked me, yeah, can you do this for me? I'd be like, yeah. But I'd be like, yeah, sure. Even though I have no idea how to do it. But at this point, I'm like, okay, I have no idea how to do it, but I know I can figure it out. You know, it's like, you just have like these little victories to add to this confidence. It's like, I have no idea how to change this faucet right now but I'm going to do it. Like, I'll figure it out. You know, it's like, you just have the confidence that you know you're going to figure it out. Are there any communities or groups that you really feel that you want to help or are aligned in helping? I know your, um, I actually don't remember. What is your ethnic background? Um, El Salvadorian. El Salvador, Hispanic, yeah. Can you can you say that one more time? L, L, so E L, so yeah. E L is like one word. El, yeah. uh, so like El Salvador, El Salvador, yeah, El Salvador. That's uh, a lot of countries in Central America. Are there a lot of people with your ethnic background in the U.S.? Um, I don't know. But I know where I grew up, almost that whole town is from El Salvador for some reason. And I never really figured out why. I guess, you know, word of mouth. 
It's like, oh, just, you know, tell your cousin to come live here or your friend, you know. But definitely the town that I grew up in, almost everyone I met was from El Salvador or in a country nearby. Um, here in Texas, I have not met many. I met a lot of Mexicans, though. But um, I have not met many El Salvadorians here in Texas, let alone in Hawaii. And I don't think I met one person that <laughs> was El Salvadorian there. Are there are there communities in which that you feel aligned with and that you're trying to empower as a part of who you are? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely my ethnic background. Um, I get over time it didn't, it hasn't really bothered me up until this point, um, but I've noticed it's bothered me a little more as I've gotten older that for some reason. It, there's a lot of negative negative talk when it comes to the country that you know my family's from that that I'm from, and it's kind of rubbed me off the wrong way. And you know, it's not it's not anyone specifically that's their fault, but you know, a few a few dozen or a few you know hundred people that that are delinquents or they're ruining it for everybody else, right? Right. And because I know there's I know there's a lot of violence in El Salvador, um, mainly due to gangs. And I think in the future, when I'm a little older and or maybe even now, I don't know, but that's definitely something that that I would like to take a look at, like how I can help my family that's still there and people there you know, just feel more safe in their own country. Mm -hmm. It's it's unfortunate that a lot of people from other parts of the world have to seek a refuge or have to, um, you know, offer up their whole life to move to another country like the U.S., like, just to feel safe, just to feel like they have a chance to live a normal life you know it's 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 mind-blowing that people have to risk their life you know but that's what they're doing they're risking their life moving across the world to another country mm. not not like a guaranteed success or a guaranteed you know good way of living but that's something that i eventually want to tap into i want to see what i can do to help communities there just feel more safe being home um, or feel more united even um, because I know there's so many families that are just torn apart from, from violence there or from poverty. And yeah, that's definitely something I want to look into. Are there a lot of heroes that you have that are from El Salvador? Not at all. Not at all. Wow. No. I there's not one, um, there's not one person or, you know, I don't know what your version of hero is, but I'm like, you know, just like a, someone you idolize, right. Or something like that. But no, I have not, no, no one comes to mind actually, uh, that has made at least a significant impact, at least in 
you know, in my point of view. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they have, maybe other people have, maybe the president there has, um, whatever it might be. But no, I don't really have like a hero from that country. And that kind of hurts as well, because I feel like that is something that is important to have, that it's important to know that someone from where you come, where you came from, you know, is, is a big, is a big influence on that country or, you know, and it's, and it's kind of upsetting to me now that you ask that I don't know anyone that comes to mind. Yeah, I, well, the reason why I asked that is because I kind of had the same, same feelings about it. Um, but, you know, I think with the Tribe Collective podcast, we love, I personally love celebrating um, cultures and I love celebrating differences. I love celebrating the way in which, um, the way in which we are different makes us uh, beautiful and I mean, we have so many identities besides our ethnic identities. We have our, you as an ultra marathon runner, photographer and writer, but also as, as a whole human being, like who's Chris Umania, and it's just, it's more than that. It's also being from El Salvador or having, you know, having these other aspects of yourself. And I was just, I was just, just curious because for me, especially, especially in this time, um, it's so much more celebrated and and I really urge more people to like ask themselves who they are and and then really lean into that. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, no, that's very important. Um, and for a long time, um, I've definitely neglected that that side of me. And you know, no no really specific reason, just me working on myself or oh, whatever it may be. But as I get older, it's I feel like that's very important for me to for me to get into to to hone in into where I came from uh, and my roots and see how see what I can make of that. Well, you're you're inevitably inevitably becoming a hero for a lot of people there, um, whether you know it or not, because when you when you start to just when you're being your best self. Um, other people are invited um, to do the same because you know if you're if if that's your ethnic background and people from El Salvador see that you're doing these amazing things and the, say hey this guy is you know he says he has the same blood as me and he's doing this doing these amazing things that means I can do it too. Yeah, it's I, um, I have yet to find someone that has said that, but you know that's the hope, right? Yeah. Uh, that someone somewhere uh, from that country, um, whether it's you know someone that just happens to come across like my social media or someone in, in family even that I don't know, because I'm sure there's family out there that I have that I have that I've never met. And it could be your uh, sisters or your mom or it yeah, could be for sure. someone that you know as well. And it's also as a you know you know this as a writer more than many people is that it's also how you say the story and how you tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely the story definitely matters, mm -hmm. uh, and it changes all the time. But it's important to know how how to narrate that. 
you know, because sometimes it can come off as uh, selfish or it can come off as you're just, you're just in it for yourself. Um, which to get to a certain point, you have to be, I feel like, uh, I feel like at some points you have to be selfish to get to certain points in your life, but it's important to know how to narrate your story. So other people can, can, uh, can grab some of that and use it for their own life. I have a couple last questions for you. Um, one that's super fun and easy is, uh, what are your goals? Uh, well, there's, well, mentally, maybe I can start with that. Um, sure. I think mentally or emotionally, whatever, um, I definitely want to join a, like a book club. Um, that's, that's definitely a goal of mine, um, oh. to, to join and, uh, a book club and see what other people are reading or what they're writing. And like a lot of people that read are a lot of people that write too. And they kind of go hand in hand. So I think that's a goal of mine. Um, and then physically, um, now that I'm slowly getting back to, into, into working out and running, um, I, I did have a race in June, which I'm not gonna do because I've learned to kind of slow down. So in October, I plan on doing a race. Um, it's, it's like a last man standing ultra. Damn. It's like a backyard ultra, which for people that don't know, um, it's just a race where I think maybe 150, 200 people start on a four and a half mile track dirt track whatever type of track and then you run four miles every hour on the hour until you're the last one running um i think that's that would be pretty neat um i don't have any expectations yet for that race because i have i haven't started training for it um but that's a goal of mine for sure and then another one that i want to do is i want to do a triathlon too at some point maybe because i i suck at swimming <laughs> and and that is the first event of an ironman or triathlon and that's something i want to conquer for sure so my last question for you usually i say the question is something along the lines of what would you tell your younger self but since you're an ultra marathon runner an athlete, I want to ask you instead, what do you tell yourself when you're feeling like you're going to give up, you can't do it? What do you tell yourself to keep yourself going? That's a very good question. I tell myself, I uh, tell myself several things depending on how I'm feeling. Sometimes I'm a little, sometimes I'm a little harsh on myself. I'm like, I will give myself some tough love and curse myself. But you no, know, there's other times where I'm like, okay, like you got this, um, you know, I'll give myself pep talks, but overall, um, is I think I tell myself all the time, you know, you work so hard physically, emotionally, spiritually 
to get to where you are now um it's like a it's like a slap in the face to yourself to all your hard work and everyone that looks up to you if you just happen to give up right now um it's like disrespectful in a way uh, it diminishes all the hard work you've ever put into everything you've ever done if you just give up on anything mm -hmm. um to at least try, you know, to at least try to get better or try harder in whatever it is you're doing is something. But to simply just give up is is almost an insult, I think. So that you know, I kind of just reflect, I think, a lot when I have those thoughts of giving up. I kind of just reflect of how far I've come. Right. Even like with just with everything, I, refl I reflect on how I used to be a very shy kid and I used to not want to come out of my room. I used to be very insecure of my body. Um, I used to, you know, kind of hide my body with, with, uh, like a lot of big clothing, like large clothing, because I was ashamed of that. Um, just by the way I spoke, uh, it was like I had no confidence in the way I spoke ever, you know, second guessed everything I ever said. And that took a lot of time to correct. You know, I still sometimes have trouble with it, but I can still, I still managed to catch it. And that alone is something that I've worked on. Um, the way I walk, the way like I hold myself, you know, on a daily basis when I'm just walking around the grocery store, like that, those are things, small little things that I've corrected purposely. Um, so it's almost like, so me giving up on something, is like an insult to all of that hard work that took 26 years to get done. That's amazing. It's it's a very it's a very hard time when you're finishing a race or you're you know you're at this at the pain cave of the race and you have to have that conversation with yourself, you know, if, if you can do this or not, and and like really coaching yourself through that. And that's where you find the most heart, I believe, within those times. And like what do you tell yourself and how do you how do you push past those things? Um, during this podcast, Chris, I thought we were going to talk a lot more about running, but we really talked more about how to be, you know, like a better, a better person and have, have a more sound mind and more well-rounded identity of self. And I'm very pleasantly surprised by that. And it also shows the amount of growth, uh, that you have as, as a human being. But, um, I want to say thank you so much for, for being on the Tribe Collective podcast and for for sharing some of your stories and your insights and wisdom and i really look up to you as a runner and and you've inspired me to be a better runner but also to be a better person and and also as a writer because i also write as well and um and thank you thank you again so much for for being here no thank thank you man it was like you're an inspiration to me too i was i was talking about you of you know to my friend just last night i was like man I was like, I wish 
not like I wish, but I was like my friend Dylan, like his level of peace is something that I strive for. Like, it's like of calmness, you know, it's like something that I look up to a lot. Um, Cause I know sometimes I can be very impatient with a lot of things and you seem to be very patient, something that you, to me, almost mastered. And, and that's something that I definitely look up to. Thank so you. Thank you for having me. I don't, thank you for having me. I don't take that lightly. I don't either. I, and like I've said, said to you on a past run that we did, I don't take, you know, the people that I see and the people that I hang out with very lightly because we all are a tribe and we, we feed off it one of one another. And it's very important that I'm, you know, you, you reciprocate good energy. Um, Chris, what are your Instagram handles for people to find you? Because I know you have a couple. I have uh, two. Um, I have my photography page. That's kind of my main page. Um, it's at photos and feelings, uh, feelings spelled P-H. And a lot of people actually asked me that, um, asked me why I spelled it that way. And it was just kind of a unique way of, of putting heel, heel in, in the word, mm. uh, instead of just putting, instead of just putting the word feelings, F-E-E, mm. um, I just put P-H to kind of make it, to make the sound of a F, right? But to, it was just kind of a smart way to put heel in there. And it's, a, it was just my way of saying like the, the photos or videos that I post, it's just my way of healing. Awesome. And that's why I have that. That's why it's made, that's why it's called that. And then the other one is my, my writing page, my poetry, my poetry page. And it's at writings for you writings and the, the number four and the word you. So you can, uh, yeah, take a look at some of my work. Cool. I'll put the Instagrams in this um, in the caption of this podcast. But Chris, you're an awesome guy. I hope we can run together soon. We have to do another podcast about the Run Across America project that yeah, I want to do. Yeah, we can talk about it kind of right now a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely I, something I'm, I want to look forward to to do. Yeah, let's um let's save that for another podcast because we've already been going for about two hours. And <laughs> <laughs> they didn't feel like it. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, but dude, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Chris, you're awesome. And um, let's talk again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right, Chris, welcome to the tribe. Let me. We gotta go. Hundred miles. Part of something bigger than ourselves. Twenty-nine thousand feet to the top of the world. Hey, that diaries. Your goals should scare you. If your goals don't make you want to pee a little bit, I'm listening. You're not setting high enough. I'm trying goals. to climb Mount Everest, basically. That diaries. I love you guys, and keep it real. Subscribe vibes every day.